0: Jump into the message today, Mother's Day, I don't want to keep you long because I know that a lot of you have mother's lunch plans, right? Okay. No, some of you going, okay, well, hey, I got a two-hour message, that's awesome. (laughs) No, I don't. Um, So today we're in week two of our series that we're calling Next, Um, and so we're going to jump in, I think it's going to be a good Mother's Day reminder for all of us to just be about what God has for us and, and the gifts that he's given us and what to do with that. So this weekend, uh, Jennifer and I yesterday uh, went out to our hometown about three hours away and celebrated uh, Jennifer's mom's 90th birthday. I mean, wow, 90 years. I mean, it was like, wow. You know, not not a lot of people get that opportunity. And so We went out there and hung out with the family and just had a great time, you know, kids running everywhere. And and what the cool part of it was, is we met or did the birthday party at an old church. I mean, we're talking old, like 120 plus years old church. That her mom and dad, Jennifer's mom and dad, were actually part of having it moved from a, a rural country setting into town to be part of a museum. And so we're there and it's just a cool thing. I mean, it's got the the old bell, you know, you can grab the rope and you can pull it and the bells go off, the kids are getting, you know, they pull it and then they go flying up in the air and you got to grab the kid real quick before they fall, you know, that kind of thing. And so, but there's all kinds of history in there. And so I'm looking and flipping through the, the picture books of what had happened over the last hundred years and some, there was gaps and stuff. And then I go in the back room and as I'm standing back in the back room, they had, pictures of confirmation classes from the early 1900s like the earliest one was 1901 a confirmation class Lutheran Church just and I'm reading through it and it's a little kind of black and white photo of a of a you know 7 to 12 people or whatever in a group you know younger people 16 17 18 and and they're in this picture and I and it's got the names listed and I go from 1901 to 1902 1903 1904 and I look at 1904 and I realize wait a minute that's Jennifer's grandpa. <laughs> and then I realized it was Jennifer's great aunt. And, and so I, I began to realize as I went down the list that there was some other names that were relatives. And, and it made me think, and here's where I went with this. It made me think of what was the impact of that church upon their lives 100 years ago. Actually, it 120 years ago. How, how big an impact did what they do have upon those that were in those pictures? I mean, as you looked at the old shots, you know, and, and just wondered what happened to their lives, what, what kind of life did they end up living because of what was done in that church that day or that year, 1904, what took place. And I thought to myself that maybe there's a chance that some of them made a huge impact. In other words, not maybe so much, that maybe they didn't make that big an impact because maybe it was just a picture. Maybe it was just a group of people standing across the front for a day that we call dedication day or a confirmation day or something like that. And the impact was very small. Or maybe it was very big. And so I just thought about it for a while, and, and, and the idea that came to me was simply this, is that how will we prepare today to, that we might truly have an impact for the next generation? How will we as individuals, how will we as a church prepare today to have an impact on the next generation? If, this is an old phrase, the Lord tarries for another hundred years, and we have pictures on a wall somewhere of a little group of dedicated kids or whatever it might be, and we're like, what was the impact? What what happened? So here's our key text for our series that we're doing for this whole next series, and it's found in Psalms 112, and here's what it says. It says, good will come to him who is generous. How many of you could use a little good in your life? All right, well, let me ask again, because the first service people were sleeping or something. How many of you could use a little good in your life? All right, there we go. That's, that's the group I'm looking for, that you just have this idea that I, I could use some of that. And this verse actually gives you an answer to how to get there. It says, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. And simply what that means is the person that realizes that maybe the resources that have been placed in my life are for a greater and bigger cause. And when I do understand that, or I get that, I begin to experience true good in my life. All right? It goes on, it says, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Basically, he who lives Right? person that lives in a way that, that truly is honorable. And then it says, surely he will never be shaken. And now all week long as I've been reading this text and thinking about that phrase is that there's a lot of stuff in life that likes to shake us, right? There's a lot of things that happen that are storms, that are chaotic and crazy. The promise that is in this verse is that if I would understand that maybe If I would do life in such a way that I'm giving it away and living in such a way that even though there's storms, I won't be shaken. And that's the promise of this text. It goes on, it says, and a righteous man will be remembered forever. In other words, that legacy, that next, that idea of impact beyond ourselves, that, that thing that we're talking about in this whole series. And so Here's, here's the simple one-liner from our text today. How I spend my life and how I live my life today determines the quality and impact of my life tomorrow. Let me say it one more time. How I spend my life and how I live my life today determines the quality and the impact of my life tomorrow. So we need to wrestle with that a little bit. So today on Mother's Day, I want to talk about that. And here's, here's my Mother's Day big idea, and it is this. God has given us all treasures, riches, and blessings. What are we going to do with them? God has given us all treasures, riches, and blessings. Matter of fact, can you look at the person next to you and say, You are blessed. You are blessed. I mean, you really are. And some of you are like, I don't think I am. I mean, you haven't seen my checkbook. You haven't seen my situation. You know, you're blessed. You're here. You've got family. And you're like, well, I don't have any family. You've got this family. I mean, you, you're blessed. There's something in your life that you could truly understand the richness of your situation. But the question is, is how can we make sure that the riches, if you will, of, he- of earth truly become treasures in heaven? And that's what God wants us to do. God wants to, t- to take even these little children that were up here on this stage a little bit ago and, and make that or transition that into the place where it isn't just a blessing now, it's actually a blessing later as I stand before the Lord in heaven. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, I've been... I've been watching, how many of you love treasure TV shows or treasure movies? Anybody out there, you love a treasure movie? Just me? All right. Well, anyway, listen for just a second. I'll let you know what I like. So I've been watching, you know, like History Channel and those kind of shows. And there was one I watched for a long time. It was like two, three years I was watching this thing called The Curse of Oak Island or something like that. And they kept saying they're going to find a treasure, and they're going to find a treasure, find a treasure, find a treasure. They never found no treasure. They just spent a ton of money looking for a treasure, all right? I was like, no, I'm, I'm over that show. And, and so then I found a new show. <laughs> I found a better show, at least in my mind I thought it was. It was called Cooper's Treasure, and it intrigued me. And Cooper's Treasure is a show about a guy that's looking for treasure, but the way he's looking for it or where they found out about it is very unique. And here's what it's, uh, the storyline goes: is that an astronaut in the 60s named John Cooper, I think it was John Cooper, Cooper's last name was orbiting the earth on a regular basis like several times going around. And he had this camera system set up in his spaceship. And as he was orbiting the earth, he was taking photographs and pictures of the earth looking for nuclear bomb sites, you know, like in the Cold War. So he's looking for that. But when he was doing it, he started noticing as he was taking pictures or looking through these high-powered magnifying glasses and looking at the earth that he was seeing shipwrecks in the water that nobody else could see because he was so high up he could see them. And I was like, what? And so he started writing down all these different things. He'd write down the longitude, the latitude, and he'd write down all the places and he'd map it out. Every time he'd go around the earth, he'd draw a little bit more on the map. And every time he'd come around, he'd say, oh, this one there. Did all kinds of research, had a stack of papers this big, finally got to the point at the end of his life after he'd looked for a little while and he gave this stack to another guy and he said, there's treasure in these stacks. And so he started looking at the map. And so here was my takeaway from that as I'm thinking about that for today is that it was because of the images from way up there that all of a sudden they could see something that they hadn't seen before. In other words, sometimes when you're so close to it, it could be light before you, right underneath you, and you don't know there is there. But if you could somehow take a step up or step back, you might see something that you never saw before. And so here's, here's the thought, the point, is that maybe... Today, we need a different vantage point to really see the treasures in our lives. Maybe we need to just take a step back. Maybe we need to get a different vantage point and realize that maybe the real treasures in life are something different than what we think are the treasures in life and how we handle them would be handled differently then. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So check out what Jesus said about this. And this is one of our key texts for today. Check out what Jesus said. He said, Matthew chapter 6 Jesus said in verse 19, he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, don't, don't store up stuff that's just gonna get trashed. He says, but verse 20: store your treasures in heaven. Store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves can't break in and steal. Verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Let me give you three real quick thoughts or observations from this text. First one is this. I think Jesus is telling us, all of us, again and again and again, don't waste your time on things that won't last. Don't waste your time on things that won't last. Give Give your life to things that actually have the potential of being eternally and rewarded, or maybe will last the the test of time, he says, hey, focus on things that will last. Wasting our time on temporary things isn't what it's all about. And the lie that goes with this one thought is this, is that somehow this world that we're in right now, this temporary world, is going to be our reward. In other words, all the happiness that we're ever going to have, if we're going to have any happiness at all, is going to happen because I got it right now. And he said, you know what? Be careful you don't waste your time thinking that's it when maybe it really isn't. And he kind of challenges that perspective in them. Here's the second thought, is that to invest yourself into what will last forever. In other words, spend your life on what made, will make it, make it through the fire, if you will. That's a biblical idea. That it'll, be, it'll come out on the other side as, as true and real and you'll be benefited because of that. He says, invest yourself in what will last forever. He says, give yourself basically to the things that are truly hopeful. Place your treasures in the hands of God in heaven because he's the only one that can really bring it through. He said, everything else is going to fall away. Here's the third thought, is that your heart always follows your treasure. Your heart always follows your treasure treasure you know you could almost tell what somebody's treasure is by just looking at what they do with their time energy and talent you can just look at them you can know what, what do they give themselves thought wise what's the conversations always about you know if some of you get around it's always about making the next million you know making the next big deal it's making it's always about that there's a good chance that maybe that's the treasure it's always, hey, I want to have the best time ever. I can't wait to have a good time. Can't have, and that's the treasure. And the heart of it follows the treasure focus. And so Jesus, he says it very clearly. He says that if your heart, if your treasure is that, your heart is going to go after that. So consider the treasure of your life. What is that? So whatever you set your, in front of you as yourself, in front of yourself as the treasure of your life is what your heart will want. So let's look for just a moment in in some of this this phrase, store your treasures in heaven. Is Jesus talking about money? Let's just ask that question. Kind of, but not really. I mean, he's, he's alluding to this idea of what we have is resources in life, but really he's talking about something much, much more. And here's how I know that he's talking about something much more. Because there's nothing dollar or monetarily that we have right now that can be taken into eternity. So he's got to be talking about something else. He's talking about storing treasures in heaven. He's not talking about when you show up to heaven, you got two suitcases full of $100 bills. He's not talking about that because you couldn't do that. You can't take that with you. There's no thing you can take with you. So he's got to be talking about something else, much more. Maybe there's something bigger. So, so here's, here's the other word that's in there. The word store is actually to place or to lay up strategically to put something away for the future, to enjoy it later. I didn't say this in the first service, but I'll say it this time. There's something about delayed gratification, isn't there? There's just something about that. How many of you realize we live in an anti-delayed gratification time? We just, we just want everything now, right? We want it now. We go through McDonald's. That took more than 30 seconds. What's up with this place, you guys? Come on. You fast food or not, Right? I mean, we, we just want it now, and we forget that maybe some of the greatest things in life are because we understand the value of delayed gratification, that maybe I'm not going to think that it's all right now. Maybe there's something even better yet to come, and I need to live life accordingly. So, but to store up, to put something away for the future. Now, what is treasure? Treasure is something that we have that is precious or valuable, that's worth more than anything else. Okay. Anything else. And so in your life, you start to think about what is it in my life that is worth more than anything else? Man, my 401k, that's, that's what's worth anything else. Is that it? My, my house, you know, my, 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 you know, and you just kind of go through a list and you just have to ask yourself because that's the treasure. What is the treasure? It's what's priceless, I mean, precious and valuable worth more than anything else. So when when the phrase comes up, store your treasures in heaven, really what he's saying is lay up what's valuable today so you can enjoy it in eternity. That's what he's saying. So, so then let's ask another question. What's your treasure then? What's your treasure? What's my treasure? I mean, it says store up your treasure. Well, what's your treasure what, what is that? What's it look like? And there's many kinds of different li- things in life that could be treasures. But Jesus, I think, is specifically talking about things that are very eternally minded. He's got something in mind. And so all of the treasures of our existence, you know, what, what are the ones that are the big ones? And so let me give you three of them real quick. Three treasures real quick. Here's the first one. Treasure number one is your God. Treasure number one is your God with a capital G. Not your idols, but your God. The one that created everything, the one that is in charge and over everything, our Father who art in heaven, the God, our God, your God, that person, that relationship, the greatest treasure you and I have, you and I have is God himself. Of all the treasures of our existence, this one treasure reigns supreme over all others. It's your God. That God would be that one. His, his love, His word, His spirit, His work in us. All these things are a treasure to us. And many times we don't even recognize that it's a treasure. Scripture says that there is this idea of Christ in us, the hope of Glory. That something that is in relationship with God is this incredible treasure, this hope of glory, this idea that comes within, with a relationship with Him. So here's the question. How can I make my relationship with God then a treasure? How do I take that relational idea, your God, and make it my treasure? How does it transition? And I think it's one word, trust. Trust God. That I trust God. In other words, here, let me say it another way. Trust gains interest with God. Like, you know, you've, you've got money in a bank, you know, you've got stocks or whatever, and you get interest. Trust is what builds the treasures. Trust is what creates this moment that you stand before the Lord in heaven, and he said, what did, what did you do with our relationship? Your God, me, what did you do? And he, you answer and say, well, Lord, I trusted you. I put my faith in you. My confidence was in you. Everything I had, I gave to you to trust you. Check out the verse, verses in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, teach those who are rich in this world not to, check out what it says, not to be proud and not to, what's it say? Trust, trust in their money. He says, don't trust in that earthly thing, which is so unreliable But then he answers, he says, their trust, their faith, their confidence, their dependence should be in who? God. And so he's like saying, hey, here's the deal. Those that think they're rich in these things, he said, that's not really the treasure. The treasure is in trusting God. And then he goes on and he says, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So God's not in heaven standing up there going, I just want them to be pathetic and poor and miserable. That's what I want them to be. God is actually saying, I want you to enjoy life here, but don't get so consumed with life here because the big show and the big reward and the big treasure is yet to come. And see, so many times we lose sight of that. And that's what Jesus was talking about in that text in Matthew. And so he goes on, he says, tell them, verse 18, to use their money to do good. In other words, leverage." what you have for eternity, leverage what you have for eternal purpose. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Verse 19, by doing this, trusting in God and revealing it how they live, by doing this, they will be storing up their what? Treasure. (laughs) I mean, it's right there. Storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. So, the first treasure is your God. Here's the second one. It's connected to this verse as well. It's highlighted, actually. And it's this Treasure number two is your life. Matter of fact, now it would be a good time to look at the person next to you on both sides and say, You are a treasure. Just go for it. You are a treasure. You are a treasure. Your life is valuable. Your life is valuable. Now, here's why. Here's here's why your life is so valuable. Of all the things that God created, there's only one thing that he created that has an eternal capacity, and that's you. There's this eternal thing. He has actually set eternity in the hearts of men, it says in Ecclesiastes, and it's part of who you are. And because of that, your life and what you do with your life now actually has huge ramifications to the treasure that you will yet to have in heaven. And so this incredible idea of my life being valuable because God had shaped me to be an eternal being. The question is, what will I do with it? How will I manage this, if you will? And so the answer is, how do I, you know, live this or, or how can I make my life a treasure in heaven? And the answer has to do with a couple thoughts. Here's, here thoughts. Here they are. One is spiritual availability. I'm spiritually available with my life for God to do something with it. I'm spiritually saying, Lord, my life is not my own. It's yours. And I know that if I give it to you, you'll shape it, mold it, and design it, and bring it to the places it needs to be better than I could ever do anyway. And on top of that, because I'm available, you're going to prepare me for eternal treasure in heaven. My life is valuable, but it's valuable in your hands. your God. Availability. Second thought with this is this, is that your life is, val- is is a treasure because of the opportunity for your life to be fruitful. You're to be fruitful. I'm to be fruitful, to be productive with our lives, that there would be fruit from our lives. Check out out what it says in John 15. Jesus saying these, these words. He says, you didn't choose me. Going back to God's reason for you being here in the first place. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I love that. Because I know when he chose me, I was a mess, and he still chose me. I, I was like out there, and God chose me, not because I was so good, but because he could see the potential of him in me and through me because I was available, not because even of myself, but simply saying, Lord, here I am. But because of that, he starts a work. He choose, chose us or chose you. I chose you and appointed you to go and... Get as much stuff as you wanted to get for this life. Oh, no, no, it says, I pointed you to go and bear much fruit. God has created you and your life in a valuable place to bear fruit and check out the kind of fruit that it is. It's the kind of fruit that endures, it lasts forever. So really what the Lord is saying here is saying this, your life is so valuable because of this idea of a relationship with me, your God. But not only that, your life is so valuable because out of it given to me, available for me, you become fruitful and the fruit of your life is eternal and there are treasures in heaven because of it. That's where God wants you to be. That's what God is calling us to be. Even on this Mother's Day that we would understand that, all right? So Here's the third one though, third one. So treasure number one is your God. Treasure number two is your life. Treasure number three is your children, your children, your children. And there's only two things that really will be treasures in heaven when you, you stand there. All right, let me just boil it down to two thoughts. It's going to be your relationship with God and how your life was done in relationship to him. That's number one. All right, that's, that's one idea. The other one is the people that you take with you, children. The children that were up here today, that as parents stood here, they have this incredible, and I probably said it three or four different times, it's an opportunity. (laughs) It's a responsibility. It's a moment in life that I get to take the treasures of life and somehow transition them from treasures on earth to treasures in heaven. And it's a person, a little one, And God's given us all that responsibility. Some of you sitting here saying, oh, I don't have kids. Mm, Scripture's got you already covered, all right? So there are two flip sides to children in Scripture. There are natural children, right? We all got natural children. I mean, a lot lot of us have natural children. Or if you're saying, not me, then there is spiritual children. And I believe all of us should have spiritual children. And so natural children, yeah, plain and simple. God's blessed you with this. Spiritual children, man, it could be the sky's the limit. Who knows? But you know that you have this responsibility to birth, or, or not to birth, but to bring into a treasured position in heaven these children. So check out a couple of verses. Children, verse 27, 127 of Psalms says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a real blessing. Parents, sometimes you need to just quote that again and again, even if it's not true. <laughs> I just As I read that, I was like, man, there's some ties, that last part. I don't know if that's true or not, but hey. <laughs> and, then, and then spiritual children, all right? Check this out. Timothy, 2 Timothy Chapter 2, and you'll see this all throughout Paul's writings in regarding people that he's spiritually a father to. But here's specifically, it says, Timothy, my dear son. Be strong through the grace of God that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Now, Timothy was not his actual natural son, but he was a spiritual son. And all of us, if you're a follower of Christ, you're expected to have spiritual sons and daughters. You're expected to take the treasures of the people that are surrounding you and somehow invest yourself into their lives that when you stand in heaven, that the treasures that surround you, that you bring before God are not bags of money or success stories that you had business-wise, but they are people that your life has impacted for eternity. I think it's going to be an amazing day. I think it's going to be an incredible day that you get the opportunity to stand there. I I dream of it this way, that there's going to be like a hallway and I get to do a high five run down the hallway of all the people that I was able to have a part of and helping them to find God. That's what I want to be a part of because I know that that's part of the treasure. So here's the question then. How can I store up treasures in heaven with my children, whether they be natural or spiritual? And they both, it both fits in the same way. And let me just give you three real quick ideas. Okay? Here's the first one, is love them. Just love them. Everything that has an eternal value to it with God starts because love happened. God is love. God so loved the world that he gave his own son. This idea of love in the midst of this foundational idea of how to prepare spiritual children and natural children to be treasures in heaven it starts with love first corinthians chapter 13 says it this way three things will last forever faith we already talked about that trust hope which is knowing another idea of hope of confidence that it's going to happen but notice the last one love love and the greatest of these is love now let me just give you kind of few thoughts about love real quick. Love is not always just giving them what they want. Right now, today, we've confused love with meeting people's wants. That's not always love. Sometimes love actually gives you what you need, not what you want. It's it's being willing to to maybe look past the, the thing that's going on and know really what really needs to take place, and that's love. See, many times love is giving them what they need. Love disciplines. Love corrects. Love encourages. Love warns. Love gives forgiveness. Love seeks forgiveness. Let me just say something. I didn't, you guys, second service men, you are a blast because I didn't give these things to the first service. <laughs> Seeking forgiveness. Can I just speak to parents for just a second? Some of you and I, I, I'm realizing this as I'm getting older as a parent, that the idea of making a mistake or offending your child and not quickly going to seek forgiveness is a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Whether you are kind of right or, or not. To seek forgiveness as a parent. Why is that? Because love is what's going to help them prepare for eternity. They're going to understand the depth and the meaning of what it really means to be forgiven and to seek forgiveness themselves. They need to somehow experience that, and it's out of love that that happens. And so some of you here today as parents, you've maybe done some things in your parenting skills that weren't that great. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing, all right? And and maybe because of that today... It's important for you to go in that relationship and just say, can you forgive me for that? The more specific you can be, the better. Because it might be the difference between them experiencing love or always wondering what love was all about. Love. Love them. Love them. Here's the the next one. Train them. Train them or teach them or point them. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says it this way. Point your kids in the right direction. And when they're old, they won't be lost. Going back to what we were talking about before, helping people get to the point where they can make it. See, every parent knows there's a day coming or has already happened or has come and gone when the child will go out on their own, you know? Jennifer and I, we're, we've experienced the empty nester thing, you know? I mean, our kids have all grown, but then we had one empty nester that flew away and somehow flew back in, and we didn't know how that <laughs> You know, yeah, I got gotcha. you. So we're just hoping for empty nesting to happen again, but Lord, Lord knows the timing on that kind of stuff, right? But, but every parent, whether you're, you were up here on the stage a little bit ago with these little ones, or your kid's 16, or maybe they're even older, you know that the biggest thing that you have to do as a parent is to prepare them to make great choices. that's that's it. I, I need to, as a parent, help my children, whether they be natural or spiritual, to make great choices. That's what I'm all about. That's what you should be all about. Why? Because it's going to impact them now, but also there is a treasure in heaven that is the result of spiritual training for right now. And so I'm going to give myself to that, And so one day you hope you have given them enough instruction and guidance that it will carry them through life's challenges and eventually become treasures in heaven. That's what you're hoping for. That's what you're hoping for. But it doesn't just happen, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, does it just happen? Not really. A lot of times you've got to be really intentional, it takes effort, it takes energy. It takes sacrifice. It, it takes time. I mean, it just takes some things. It, it costs something to invest. If I'm going to go that way, I've got to understand that this training piece is huge. I mean, it's, it's effort. And, and here's just three real quick things that are effort. Pray like crazy. Pray like crazy. If I could go back as a parent the last 20 years, I would pray 10 times as much. Just to be honest with you because I couldn't fix it anyway. Only God can fix it. There's a lot of things that prayer is the only answer. And some of you as parents, I challenge you today, right now, for your spiritual children and your natural children, that you pray like crazy, like heaven and hell depended on you to pray. Pray like crazy. Here's the second one, is prioritize God. You're going to train them. You need to prioritize what's really important. Again, it just seems to me like parents are are robbing their treasures in heaven right now because they think everything that's really not important is important. And they're teaching and training their kids that this is what's most important. And it's not God. God. We're not prioritizing those things. We're prioritizing other things. And I'm not going to get in there and meddle, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. All the things that doesn't make God first is what I'm talking about. You see, some of us need to realize if I'm going to train them and have spiritual treasures in heaven, I've got to prioritize God and I've got to make God a priority in my everyday life. And if I do that, they'll know that God is a big deal. But if I make it optional, I can almost guarantee you right now, your children, your spiritual children will think it's optional as well. They're going to follow your lead. You're going to train them. Here's the the third one. Pray like crazy, prioritize God and point them towards God. Be aware of teaching moments, invite questions, teach it and talk it. The scripture we read earlier said tie it on your forehead. It's a little weird, but hey, go for it. If it works, do it, right? I mean, get it out there and train them. Here's the, here's the, so love them, train them. Last one, show them. Show them. Be an example. 1 Corinthians 11 one says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Other versions say, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. I mean, watch what I do. And here's why, here's why. Whether it be a, 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 a spiritual child or a natural child, they're watching you. Practice what you preach. And if you don't, seek forgiveness. <laughs> Quick. Go for it. Seek forgiveness. Go after. Don't tell your kids to love someone or be nice, and then you constantly sit around talking about people with a critical heart. I mean, come on. Point them in the way. I mean, show them in how you live to do it the right way. So here's, here's as I close. If you want to store up treasures in heaven with your kids, Then begin today to model what it looks like to follow Christ with your whole heart. What it looks like to truly respect and honor people. What it looks like to be a true servant of God. They need to see you serve. What it looks like to trust God with your life, including being open, honest, and transparent where your struggles. Your kids, spiritually or naturally, need to know that you have times where it's hard and I struggle. They need to know that. What it looks like to worship God with your life. Let me say that again. What it looks like to worship God with your life. And I'm not just talking about going to church. God, your kids don't need to just see you go to church. They need to see you live a life that's surrendered. They need to see a life that is bowed down. They need to see a life that understands that God is the biggest deal on the planet. And the only thing that matters is my God, my life, and those that I'm bringing with me. And they're going to they're gonna see that. They're going to know that. See, Worship is bowing down. It's surrendering to God everything I have, all for His praise and glory. Your kids need to see you surrender. So what if? So get ready to pray. What an awesome opportunity we have to prepare for the next generation. May we someday stand before the Lord with no regrets but all rewards. May we never stand before the Lord and say, boy, I wish I would have handled that treasure differently. But may we stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I did everything possible that I might present something to you in heaven that truly is a treasure in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for every person that's here on this Mother's Day, Lord. But what an opportunity we have, all of us, Lord, to impact the next generation all of us given the same opportunity, the same responsibility, Lord, to know you as our God, to do something with our lives that honors you, and Lord, to bring as many as possible with us into eternity. Lord, may we store up treasures in heaven. Lord, maybe there's those here today right now that have not surrendered to you, But Lord, right now, by your spirit, you would quicken them just to call them by name, and they would say, yes, Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me and make me new that I might begin this process of building and preparing treasures for heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.